Welcome to the Take a Seat podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. Before we get stuck into this episode, we want to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncoastspinners.com.au. Episode 12. Welcome back, Cam. Welcome back to episode 12, James. I'm I'm glad to be here. Mate, I'm loving it. Every day we come back in here. Well, not every day. Not as much as I'd like to. But once a week we're in here now. We're recording with guests. But who have we got on today? So we have Adam and Natasha, both wheelchair racers on here. Okay, so not like Carol Cook. No, not like Carol Cook. And not like a recumbent cycle. No, not like a recumbent cycle. Think of Kerr Fernley and Louise Savage. Yes. All right. Well, enough of us. Adam, Natasha, we'd like to welcome you to take a seat with us on the Take a Seat Project. Yeah, yeah, we, we bring our seats with us. We, so. we brought the same to the trouble. We brought them with us. Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. We're, we're on a budget here and uh, it doesn't stretch real far. That's it, yeah. As you can see, we've got the two couches and that's about it, really. Happy to help. Yeah. Happy <laughs> to help. <laughs> Appreciate it. The seats are a premium, apparently. <laughs> so, Cameron's been, he hasn't stopped talking about you all day. Now, that's probably because you you were in, in at the Enhanced Living today, mm-hmm. talking to him for about an hour there. But he, he called me on the way here and he, and he couldn't stop raving about you. So, super, super stoked oh. to have you on. But, Cameron, do you want to give us a bit of a bio or, or Adam and Tash, would you like to, who, who, who should? I, I think these guys are actually yeah. going to do a way better bio than I would do for them. Well, should we do it like a like a bit of a sales pitch? Like sell, I don't know. Yeah, sell. So, so, in a 30 seconds, sell, sell yourselves to us. Time go on, starts. Adam, you, you go first. Oh, oh, you want me to start this one? <laughs> I'm throwing you in the deep end. <laughs> Adam Shepard, 39 years old, uh, Gold Coast born and bred, uh, wheelchair user my entire life, born with spina bifida, uh, married with a five-year-old son. Oh, 20 yeah. seconds. 20 I love seconds. it. I love it. All right, Natasha, the, okay. the bar's been set. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I know, right? Pretty high, I think. Um, so I am Natasha Price. I'm a wheelchair racer from the Gold Coast. Probably be able to tell from the accent that I was born in Australia. No, no, I was born in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here for about 14 years. I've got a rare disease that left me in a wheelchair and visually impaired, uh, paralyzed from the waist down. And I've been wheelchair racing for, oh, three years? Four years, three or four years. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And uh, I am the state champion in for the last three years in the one, two, and four hundred. I'm the national bronze medalist in the four hundred for the last two years, and the winner of the Auckland Marathon in 2019. So yeah, a couple of cool things. Mm, yeah, wow. <laughs> See, I told Quite you that yeah. <laughs> they do a way better bio than I do. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. you know, my bio, I stumble around things and stuff it up and all the time. But these guys. 30 yeah, second elevator yeah. pitch on themselves. That's <laughs> it. Great. Yeah. We do all right. <laughs> Natasha was able to touch on, she's stringing a bit longer than 30 seconds. Yes. So we won't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does that. She, <laughs> I do. <laughs> she touched on a few of the accolades, but how yeah. about yourself? So I am now, I coach Tash as a wheelchair racer. Um, I'm a qualified PT. I was a wheelchair racer myself, both road and on the track until about 2001, 2002. I raced from the time I was about 12 till, yeah, um, till I was about 21, 22 years old. Got to travel a lot, um, see a lot of the world. I was a national record holder in the one, two, four, eight hundred metres on the track. Fifteen. 
uh, 15 possibly. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Some fact-checking. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, check, yeah, yeah. I won't, I won't lay claim to that one just in case. But, yeah, it's case I've, got, I've got the proof on my phone. Oh, you've got the proof. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, somebody's got it. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. 2001, was that Kurt Fernley? So so he started, he was sort of getting into wheelchair racing. He was a few years in as I was getting out of the sport back then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that sounds about the right time. I've been reading a little bit about Kurt mm. recently. We're trying to, hey, Kurt, if you're listening. Um, yeah. Get in touch. Uh, <laughs> No link to get us in. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I think it was about 2001 he, he sort of started, wasn't it? it was, at least It the- was. Yeah. So Kurt, as I say, I got out of the sport about 2001, 2002. And yeah, he'd been getting into it over um, that that few years that I was just, you know, sort of deciding to get out of the sport. But um, I raced him on a few occasions on the in road racing. Um, I even beat him once, which was pretty cool. So hey. I, I, I lay claim <laughs> to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I'll tell anyone who listens. <laughs> 100%. If I win anything, I, it could be a pie-eating contest down the street. I tell everyone oh, that I won. Absolutely. So why not? If you're beating a world champion, 100%, go for it. A win's a win. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, there's a, a wheelchair uh, 10k road race in Sydney every Australia day around the rocks area in Sydney and um, we had Kurt and I had a, a sprint finish at the end of the 10k uh, to the finish line and I got him by three one hundredths of a second at the line so um yeah three, three one hundredths of a second three one hundredths of a second how yeah. much of a wheelchair wheel is that oh look it's like it's, a spoke yeah it's like, it's like you know you know it's like you know how you get the 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 spiky bits on the end are new tires. It's, a, it's yeah, about yeah, one. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's about that. A win's a win. A okay. win's a win. I'll take it. You know, that makes me think of, uh, have you ever watched the movie The Little Rascals? Oh, like years ago. Yeah, years probably. Ago, where Alfalfa's got his hair out the front of the car <laughs> yeah. and he wins by a hand oh, length. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what it instantly yeah. makes to think of. Yeah, yeah. As, as we say, hey, a win's a win. Yeah, a win's <laughs> a win. A win's a win. <laughs> Shall we do it? Should we get in there? Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's we'll go, go the hard cards. So we've got we've got a new element. You guys are going to like this because I only heard about this last episode. So this Wicked. is cool. I threw it on him. Live reaction. When we're here to listen episode. Oh, uh, 11, we're, we're 11, 11. 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you would have heard last week if you're listening to this now. You would have heard Cam's live reaction. So here it is for the second time. Yeah, it's the hard cards. <laughs> We're going to maybe work on the volume there. Yeah, that was a- <laughs> My head got blown away. <laughs> that might be the best intro I've heard. That's absolutely you liked awesome. It? Yeah, oh. that was awesome. I love that. Yeah, nice, nice. All right. uh, I'm sitting in here last week <laughs> bouncing around. It was great fun. So I'm going to shuffle the cards one more time. Mm-hmm. And while I'm doing that, Cameron's going to explain how this is going to work. Yeah, so the hard cards, are, as you can see, a deck of cards here. But what we've got is questions from the internet where people aren't quite sure of how to ask these questions. There are also questions that James and I have, uh, you know, don't really feel comfortable telling our clients just straight out like, hey, well, what about this? Where, mm-hmm. Where's this coming from? Yep. Um, so we've kind of disguised it in these cards. And now we've actually got quite a few questions from our, our own guests, from our own social media, our Instagram. Um, people are throwing out things that it could be a topic that uh, someone comes up to them in the street and says, hey, this has been said to me over and over and over and over again. How do I stop them asking me that question or mm-hmm. how do I get people to ask it in a way that's a little more polite and, and politically correct, I guess you could say. So they're not hard to answer. They just mm. made you think a little bit more. So you, you'll see that there's a little bit of a difference there. What we do is we get three cards. So what we might do here is I'll get one from Tash, one from Adam, one from yourself, Ken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get three cards uh, randomly mm-hmm. selected. 
And then we read all three questions out. You can answer all three. You mm-hmm. can answer none. Whatever, however you feel. I um, mean, you can both answer both questions. It's up to you guys, but awesome. it's a bit of a, a free for all. Free for all. Yeah, <laughs> pretty it, much. Love it, love it. Okay. This is our icebreaker. So, you know, everyone's always trying to think of how the hell can I make an icebreaker out of this topic and whatever else. This is ours. This is what we do. Tash, would you like to read your question? Well, I won't. I'll get Adam to read it to me because yeah. I can't see shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my, my poor, poor writing skills. No, <laughs> Visually impaired. Yes. Uh, what would you tell a younger you? Ooh, that, we oh, we have another one. That's a good one. Interesting. Stop being fearful. Stop being fearful of everything. Fear is one of those things that can prevent you from living the life that you want, from achieving everything you're capable of fear holds you back from so many things in life a much younger me was uh, a person that was too scared to go out and chase her dreams and lived life worried about other people's judgment so I would tell myself to stop being fearful of people's judgment and do what I felt was the right thing to do in my heart yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. was that was that fear of Judgment or fear of failure? Both. Both. Yeah, yeah both. And I think I think one of the biggest reasons that people have a fear of failure is because they're fear, fearful of judgment. Mm-hmm. It yeah. kind of, it's it's all part of the same circle, really. Absolutely, yeah. 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 My mind then goes to, did that mindset change after, I've seen that you were hospitalised for a long period of time and yeah. did that mindset change around there? 100%, or 100%. Yeah. Changed everything, changed my outlook, changed my perspective, changed how I thought and felt about life, the direction of my life, the, the trajectory of absolutely everything. Um, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for the shit I'd been through and I wouldn't change a, a single thing. It took away my fear of, of living you know, I, th- I think we're, we're, as humans, in, it's ingrained into us from such a young age that you, you know, you go to school, you go to uni, you get a job, you just get on with life. And we often don't do the things that scare us because we're worried about coming off that path, that path of expectation. And we're worried about judgment and we're worried about um, things not working out. But having these crazy things happen to me and, and life changing so much, it got me outside my comfort zone and has forced me to just do what I've wanted with my life. And and I feel much, so much better for it. If I could have the perspective I have now at a much younger age, I think life would have been much more pleasurable and, and enjoyable. And, and, and I would recommend that perspective to anyone because you know who doesn't want to live their best life from from the moment that they wake up in the morning to the moment that they die when they're you know however old life is here for living so yeah absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. was it as a funny uh like a like a notion of wouldn't life be be better served the other way around 100 yeah yeah you you start off with with all the money and the wealth being able to to do all the fun things in Mm. life and then you go through 30, 40 years of, of working, and then you go into being a school like, age, a school age teenager. And Without all the worries and the cares. And exactly. the, yeah, 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 much more creative and then ending up being looked after by by mum and dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah. wouldn't it be lovely? <laughs> well, literally Benjamin Button, the movie. Yes. Like, yeah. Live it yes. that way, exactly <laughs> that concept. Yeah. 100%. Now I'm going to throw the same question at Adam. Yeah. yeah. What would I tell a younger me really simply? Say yes more. Um, and, and that probably since – 2000 and I'd say 2018 or uh, yeah and probably earlier on than that since becoming a dad that's really been a big big model in my life is saying yes and experiencing more and not worrying about what other people think and you know expectation and and just going out there and grabbing everything 
you know, by the cooners and, and giving everything a go. And I don't really give you a choice. I just <laughs> you don't. Say yeah. yes. <laughs> I just get dragged along anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's really it. Is is experience more? Say yes more. And within and throw caution to the wind, I guess, as far as my own fears and my own insecurities, and and just yeah, give everything a crack. Yeah. Uh, the the big thing that uh, mm. as well as you were born with your disability, so mm. do you find that that's a growing up, changing of society, or is it yourself? Or I was ridiculously lucky growing up. I grew up with great parents and a younger. I say younger sister. She's. 15 months younger than I, but she's much, much taller than I am. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my parents were always, I, I was never wrapped up in cotton wool. I was never mollycoddled. It was go out, give everything a go, and the world was my oyster. So anything that was holding me back then was was just my was myself and my own thoughts and feelings and whatnot. So I guess, you know, through life experience and, and you know, thinking about the maze and may not happens and, and that sort of thing, you know, I've just grown to, like, give everything a crack. Is there one thing that stands out in your past that you really wish you'd have said yes to if you didn't? Oh. The jungle swinging cans with me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, Tash and I were in cans recently and, and Tash, if anybody's ever seen it, it's this jungle swing where you get pulled back up into the tree canopy and then you pull a rope and it's just this giant swing that swings you 50 metres from 50 metres high down. And Tash had booked me in to do it. And I have a serious, serious dislike for heights. I got there, looked at it. Tash was signing herself in to do it. Uh, she'd, as I said, she already bought me tickets. So I took one look at it, went over to the bar, bought myself a beer and sat down and watched her. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I definitely. was like, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. 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 I guess I go back to the schooling mm-hmm. and the, the era that you grew up with as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. That would have been difficult because that was a type of year where it was the word like spastic and retard and those type of words were thrown around a lot. Did you find saying yes to things a little bit different then or? Yeah, I did. The the Even back then, the common thinking on what was possible for people with disabilities, you know, in the 80s is, and early 90s has changed a lot, you know, particularly around schooling as far as um, inclusive sport and things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it, it is vastly different. And as these have gone on and the ability to advocate for myself and say, well, yeah, actually I can do this. Maybe back then I wasn't, wouldn't have been as vocal as I am now about my ability to do things and, and standing up for my, my rights as far as, yeah, being able to, to do certain things and, and that sort of thing. Mm. Well, let's jump on to your question, Adam. Okay. My question, what do your dreams look like? My dreams look like living life to the fullest, you know, and, and as I said before, my dreams look like not having to have about awareness just being there and, you know, it, it awareness for around disability and um, and that sort of thing just being um, already being there and um, in not it's always going to be a learning process, I guess. But yeah, it just it just being in existence. If that makes sense. Yeah. Same yeah. for yourself, so, Natasha. Yeah, I mean, for me, my my dreams look like much like Adam, the the mm. world being an equitable mm. place for people that that we don't have to go out and advocate mm. for mm. disability. We don't have to create awareness. It's something mm. that the world would just be a universal place for everybody mm. to just live in harmoniously without all of the. Um, you know the bullshit that it that yeah. exists, mm-hmm. um, but also I, I want to see 
people happier, more more resilient mm. and more accepting of their lives and not always striving to find the greener grass on the other side that isn't always there. So mm. um, my dreams look like acceptance, look like um, a harmonious world because we've all accepted our place in it and um, found found a degree of resilience that, that makes us all content with, with life and makes us happy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I know myself that I got into the field of work that I'm in and I think also this project and everything because of the way that I am mm. from a young girl that I worked with and she always looked at, at the age of four of the glass always half full mm. and I had no reason to be upset or angry or anything but particularly the day going to work with her I was angry at the world and turned around and went why <laughs> yeah. she she's looking at the world half mm. full and uh exactly what you just said that's that's unreal mm. sorry adam you were going to say something yeah and i was just going to say you know a, a, an interesting i guess example of um you know it it, it just they're just being an example uh, of an an understanding there i guess i was out with my son fletcher a few weeks ago now and we were just going through a shopping center and as happens literally every time i go into a public place uh, as a young kid about his age going oh look mummy there's a man in a wheelchair or why is that man in a wheelchair? And Fletcher turned to me and he goes, why is that person asking why you're in a wheelchair? And I said, well, dude, I said, maybe they've never seen somebody with a disability or somebody who uses a wheelchair like me before. And he was hor- He was like, what? Like he, he didn't understand that it wasn't a regular. He's grown up his whole life with me being a wheelchair user and Tash being his life for a large part of it as well. So he's just been surrounded by it. But it was a really interesting take for me, him not understanding that it wasn't something that all kids were were had seen in their lifetime. I honestly thought you were about to say were subjected to. Subject. I was calling that. I'm like, no, that's, no, no, not, that's the right, not the right word. Let's not. <laughs> well, maybe they're subjected to me, but you know, <laughs> I'm subjected to you every day. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I'm glad you just brought that out because my question actually mm. on my card here is, mm. what do you think people say when they see you? That is literally what's written on my card. So that's a really good, like, awesome way that you just answer that, but. Mm. Now that I've, I've read that question out, uh, what do you think people say when they see you? That's a really good question mm. because you've just yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. Um, it's it's really funny. We have we have very different reactions because mm. Adam and I are always we're obviously both in wheelchairs. We we travel together everywhere. Mm. You drive. One of the main reactions we have is surprise from mm. people when two people in wheelchairs get out of, get out of the car, which um, <laughs> <laughs> we we react to in various ways. Um, not so long ago, somebody said to us getting out of the car, "Oh my God, there's two of you!" Um, to which you responded. <laughs> 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 We were we pulled up in this car park and I'd got Tasha's wheelchair out of the car and he looked he literally stood by the driver's door, looked through, he goes, Oh, there's two of you and I just without even without even batting an eyelid, I just looked and we said, Yeah, we travel in packs these days. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think I think people Often the the burning question that they have that they have when they see the two of us to co- together is how do you cope? How do you manage? Mm. How do you manage to do the daily things? And we adapt, just you mm. know, like any person would to whatever situation they find themselves in, they would adapt, and that's that's what you do. Mm. You uh, the unfortunately the world is not made for people with disabilities it's changing but it's got a long long way to go so our existence means that we have to be creative we have to adapt and we have to find ways of getting around situations and that's just what we do yeah i think adapting is is the biggest thing and that people probably see us do mostly in the community as far as 
you know, getting two wheelchairs in and out of a car or me on my own with, with a five-year-old boy, you know, which is fun as well. Um, <laughs> and the both of us with a five-year-old boy, that's even more fun. Oh, yeah, I tell you. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go out and Fletch nine times out of ten will just sit on my lap and, you know, lazy and just sitting on my lap and just cru- yeah. cruising around. So, it's, you know, people, we, we get looks when people do that. It's like, oh, that's cute. You know, he's using you as a giant stroller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I watched is come in today and, and get out of the chair and I was kind of like, oh, I'm intrigued to see how this happens because I know that most wheelchair users take the wheels off the, mm-hmm. their chair, mm-hmm. place it in the back seat and then fold the backrest down and put their chair on the back chair, mm-hmm. fitting the chair between the two front seats. Mm-hmm. Um, some some people push their chair all the way back, some push it all the way forward, some lie the passenger seat down. Mm-hmm. But I was intrigued to see how with yourself, Adam, driving and Natasha sitting in the passenger seat, how how you just worked it. But it was really interesting that, yeah, then Adam pulled out both wheels and the, the chair itself and uh, put it together, mm-hmm. rolled around to the uh, boot, pulled mm-hmm. Natasha's chair out, put it into the side, and then Natasha transferred out. So I'm, I'm, not, was, I'm uh, not stupid. I make him do all the hard work. Chivalry's not dead. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> got to get your brownie points somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's simple mm-hmm. things like that that mm-hmm. I guess the – I guess you could say everyday Aussie wouldn't mm. see, but person mm. around the world wouldn't know that, that that's generally how it happens mm. with a wheelchair is mm. for accessibility and ability to get in and out of the car. Mm. There is little tweaks like that mm. that need to be happening, but I, you two adapted really well. Look, it, it, it was even for us, you know, when we first started hanging out together and stuff, it was a, re, it was a learning curve because, you know, normally I've got, you know, my, like my wife had put my chair in the back of the car for me, and then you know she's able bodied, so she'd you know put the wife put the, put the wife put the chair in the car. <laughs> put the wife um, in the car. <laughs> she she'd just put my chair in the back, and that'd be it. So when there's two wheelies in there, I put Tasha chair in, then I pull my chair apart, and then you know there's finding parking as well Parking's that you can get a wheelchair out on either side Both rather sides. than just on yes. one side, yeah. you know, which is uh, which is interesting. It, yeah, it's very interesting. You, it you, can lead to some problems, that's mm. for sure. <laughs> do you find yourself like really parking right up next to the the, the bollard in the middle of the yes. central parking center? Yeah, yeah. I, like I'm I'm always over that cross-hatching bit. Yeah, I know yeah. that's – but um, just to be able to get two wheelchairs out on each side. And neither of us can wait there, so it's not like we can stand up and get mm. out of the vehicle. We have to – open the car doors as wide as possible in order to get our chairs right up next to the seat so it, mm. we have no other choice and it's we can't park often on the side of the road because it's always unsafe because one of us is always having to get out into traffic mm. so yeah there has been more than one occasion when I've gone to park not thought about it and parked too close and I couldn't get my car door open, so I've had to literally crawl through the boot um, to get <laughs> yeah. into the front to, to, to like reverse a car out, um, reverse a car out, get somewhere that we can get both chairs in, and yeah. And it's not like there's a lot of places where there's readily available two car spaces side by side where you can just park over the white line and park and open both doors and yeah. get like that's that's yeah. not uh, very commonly okay. accessible when you go no. to a shopping center or no, things as not. well. Yeah. Do you ever find? I've had this once when I was with uh, one of my clients. There, someone was parked right up on the line in the on the their park in the parking. Not wasn't accessible parking, and I pulled up on the accessible parking. But the that hashed line that like mm-hmm. uh, that in between of the two accessible parking spots was also. A, uh, a secondary walk lane, like a, like a yes. lane. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yes. And so then I'm, my client's got the door wide open and I'm pulling the chair off the tray, putting it up there, and then people are like walking past. And it's like you're literally like brushing my yeah. – like, as I'm – I'm like, 
Yeah. Are we, is this really like this is the only option that we had here? Like, I yeah. think that yeah. Mo- yeah. until I got into this industry, I don't actually think people know what those yellow hash no, lines are for. I no, actually don't, don't think that it it's readily known. Everyone knows what no. the symbol is on the ground yeah. with the, yeah. the person in a wheelchair, but they don't know that the yellow hashes are for the opening of the door and, and exactly. transferring and I, in and out. I think it's it's often a, just a lack of awareness mm. and understanding that um, that people with wheelchairs or you know who are paralysed don't have the ability to stand up and get out of their vehicle so actually Mm. have to open their car doors as wide as possible it seems like something that's so obvious but it's not something that's obvious if you've never been exposed to to it if you've never seen somebody having to do that why would you know any different Mm. i know it's not as you know previously able-bodied that's not something i would have even thought about um you know and there's so many things that that you don't so many small things that you don't think about as an able-bodied person and don't realize until you find yourself in that situation and mm. you know any of us can become disabled at any point. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really, really odd relation, but it was only like a year ago that mm. I realized salami was a meat. <laughs> it was just something that I took. That is the most ex- random thing. <laughs> yeah. That was so far left field. But it was, it was like I just accepted salami to be salami and I didn't really ask any questions of it. And I was just like I'm, I'm yeah. not sure how much meat there actually is in salami, but sure. Yeah, but I, I was I putting up a, a, a cutting board and a, and a partner at the time uh, was vegetarian, vegan, and um, and oh, the raspberries got too close to the salami, and I was like, what, "What's the problem with salami?" She was like, "It's it's, it's meat." Is it? And I was like, <laughs> "Is it though?" I was like, are you, "Are you kidding me?" And she's like, "Are you are you stupid?" And I'm like, <laughs> were you, are "We're talking about salami." Yeah. Mm. So, like, if, if you never know, you, you don't yeah, you just you don't know, accept you don't these things. Yeah. 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 So, I think yeah. a lot of people look at that that ramp or that, that the hash area impression. Yeah. Well, so the impression off of the gutter into the car park as a oh, that's a walkway. That's, yeah. that's yeah, a walk yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to actually step down that, the step. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, that's not for someone in a wheelchair. That's yeah. for me to not trip over. Like, yeah. Well, even uh, most people don't realise that the little ripples near – Almost every crossing yes. mm. um, on the road is for people that have blind canes, yeah. 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 so that they know that that's where the road exactly. is coming it's, up. And there's um, you either have the little dots or you have the longer lines. So the longer lines are to guide you towards a place, and the dots actually tell you when you come mm. to a hazard. So whether it's a road crossing or traffic lights or a platform at a train station or some, something that would cause you to need to stop. So okay, yes. there you go. I didn't actually know that. I, I knew that there was a variation, but I didn't know yeah. that that was the variation. I thought it was just an option. It's like, oh, do we do we go for the dots or the lines on this one? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting because you know it's it's a bit of a conundrum because for wheelchair users, they to when you've got small front wheels, they're actually yeah, really wheels. annoying to go over. But then you've got a wheelchair user who's also visually impaired, i.e., Tash over here, and she's like, oh, these things are so. I'm like, they're for you. <laughs> like, they're yeah. for me, That's but a- they drive me crazy. <laughs> like, they're for so, people. So, a skater's your friend or your foe? Skaters, yeah, when they like tear up those. Well, I can't say anything. My mum's a skater. I've got to keep my mouth shut. Uh. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> Definitely yes. <laughs> no. Well, I think I think, and and it's the same with um, you know people walking or running or, or whatever they're doing. Is there's a there is a severe lack of awareness of what is lower down in your field of vision. So um, quite often you find that people as a as a wheelchair user just don't see you. They just mm. don't see you, and they'll either have their head in their phone or just be looking above you and walk into you I've, I've literally ended up with people on my lap you know looking at their phones because they've been so engrossed in what they're doing and just not see me i've in fact um 
crossing over the road. Um, and, and you know how in Queensland when you cross it can be, um, you know, uh, cars can turn at the same time. And people, cars don't see you. And I have literally had a car drive into me because mm. um, yeah, luckily very very slowly and just tapped my wheel and it hasn't done you know done too much damage but not seeing me all the same because people do not expect to see somebody so much lower down mm. uh, but then i often wonder how they're seeing children if, exactly. if they're yeah, not yeah. if they're not seeing wheelchair users yeah, 100%. But yeah it's um I, I think people just don't expect to see a wheelchair user out on their own and that has to change. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because when we were at the clinic earlier, Steve and yourself were talking about pushing and, and mums with prams and in their mm. phone and, and you had yeah. the reaction of, yes, yes, like I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And as James said, I, I give him a call about that. We'd just been mm. talking at the clinic and everything. And uh, one of the things that I did want to ask was when you're pushing around and, and going for road racing and, and getting training and stuff, do you use the cycling lanes or is, should there be accessibility for another lane for a wheelchair racer? Or do you have a flag to be able to get mm. the ro- uh, cars to see you? Or, uh, you know, how, how do you adapt to that? So generally when we're out on the road and Tash is in her racing chair and we're do, doing road racing training or, or whatever i'm in my hand cycle so hand cycle sits maybe slightly higher than a it's still very very low to the ground but i'm day night whatever i'm lit up like a christmas tree like <laughs> i have six lights on the back of my hand cycle i've got a flag you know if you don't see me there's something seriously wrong yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah um, but the fact of the matter is you're still lower to the ground mm. so people don't expect and 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 wide and, unlike with a with a bike who's obviously very very narrow it can get through mm. smaller spaces in a in a race chair and in a hand but, cycle you're much much wider mm. but yeah we use we tend to use the bike lanes on the side of the road purely because you know if we're using pathways and stuff at the speeds we're going people you know human nature they're not as we say, you know, they're engrossed in their phones or they're walking their dogs or kids or whatever. And, and, and it becomes a real danger, for, not for just for us, but for them, you know, you, you, hand cycles are, you know, pretty heavy. And I'd be horrified if I thought that somebody got in front of me accidentally and clipped them or whatever. Yeah. you know, as, as much as we try mm. when we do go out on the road to stay in the bike lanes, sadly, they're often filled with cars that are parked. So, mm. um, you know, we're forced to come out of the bike lane into the road and cars don't often see you. So we don't often do full on proper road training anymore because it just becomes too dangerous. Um, we use the bike tracks. Mm. Um, much more often. I mean, we have to do road sessions occasionally, but we mm. use the bike tracks because you know the actual um, um, crit track, crit track, because yeah. it's 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 a safe place. It it, mm. it mimics road conditions. So there's lots of hills mm. and bends and stuff. So it's a t- um, it's be- for all intensive purposes. It's a it's a tar road, but and it's two it's a two k loop. So mm. we use that. It's got a little hill um, bridge undulations and whatnot. So it's a two k loop, and it's it's the same thing every two k's, which is a little frustrating, but mm. um, it's certainly a whole lot safer than a lot of the time than being out on the road. Yeah. And so. like, and when and when you're out on the road, it's not necessarily just that the cars are parked there, but people exiting or their vehicles open yes. the car door yeah. without looking because they don't expect to see somebody that low down coming next to them, which is you know a danger in itself. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Where, where about you guys um, based? Gold Coast. Gold Coast. Yeah. And, and everything's located in that Gold Coast region or do you have to travel, do you find yourself traveling out anywhere to get any decent road cycling done? No, we, we like training wise, we 
stick to the Gold Coast. Um, we come up and mm. train at um, Cusack in Brisbane for the track as well occasionally, mm. but uh, training itself, we we manage to stick to the Gold Coast. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. So I've got my hand cycle. Tasha got her racing chair, and going from Tasha's place at, at Upper Coomera on the Gold Coast, you know, there's major intersections. We've got to cross loads and loads and loads of traffic to to get to anywhere that we. Can't, and trying to get a racing chair and a hand cycle in a car is mm. in my car anyway. Is, is Along with two day chairs. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. Um, so <laughs> And two humans. Yeah, and two <laughs> humans. Yeah. So we find ourselves having to go from Tasha's place and, and then finding our way down onto the waterfront down along Paradise Point, if you know the area, down along Paradise Point and down in towards Southport. But just getting to that spot where we have a, a clear straightish run, um, you know, with, with less traffic is we hit a lot of curveballs. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's uh, one of the questions that I, I said to James was, mm. you know, is the bike lanes wide enough? But mm. you've pretty much answered that yeah. they're not wide enough. No, There's cars really. always on it. Mm. Uh, to actually become an elite athlete in wheelchair racing is is really hard. Mm. There's, there's a, a, there's lot, a lot, of, lot of consideration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Take a Seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club. They run social inclusion programs, including but not limited to basketball and rugby. If you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergen, Morayfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram or on their website again www.suncoastspinners.com.au I'm going to flip this only because of the way you've said this, uh, mm. Adam, but to become a wheelchair racing mm-hmm. coach yes. as a wheelchair user, mm-hmm. how difficult was that? So I got out of the sport, as I said, you know, early 2000s and for a long time I had nothing to do with the sport at all. I played a little bit of social basketball and getting back into it, my, I guess my my issue was that I was not really doing anything sporting wise or, or active, but I was still eating the same, putting away the same <laughs> amount of food. But I also, I sort of started miss being around that scene and around those people. And so I, and I always, I, I sort of regained my love for, you know, training and whatnot. I was getting back into the gym. So I did my qualification, uh, Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. You know, I started doing that. I was working in a gym as a PT and it was never my intention, but I started sort of getting approached by people with other disabilities to coach them. You know, um, I was very happy to train anyone. But as far as the, the wheelchair racing coaching started, young Natasha here found out about me through uh, another friend of ours, um, put us, she sent me a message and the timing couldn't have been, I was sort of looking for an opportunity to, to get back into it and, you know, just dip my feet back in the water, even though I can't feel my feet, but, um, <laughs> you know, so to speak, Tash sent me a, a message on Facebook and I said, yeah, let's, let's give this thing a crack. And so we met at the track at Runaway Bay and, and the rest is history <laughs> and the rest is history. Now we can't get rid of each other. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, as, as far as getting into it, it's really in Queensland, it's really, really hard to find anyone who has any, uh, has knowledge of the sport and what, and how the sport works and who still, who wants to have uh, a place in that coaching sort of, or, or mentoring role. So, so how big's the cycling community? It could be a whole lot bigger than it is. 
that in, we, in Queensland, it's tiny. Yeah, it's it is tiny. So and there's just there's no not a great deal of information or people to approach. Um, so it's it's unfortunately it's a really a, a matter of not who you know. More it's not. What you know. What you know, but who you know and, yeah. you know, just making networks and, and things like that. So do you cycle with anyone else or is it just you two that are on the Gold Coast between here and Brisbane basically? It, there's a few others out there but um, who really kind of just do their own thing. It's a very solitary sport in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be very much willing to go it alone, make your own pathways mm-hmm. and kind of forge ahead with what you, with the research and things you've managed to find out and work out for mm-hmm. yourself. We're, we're trying to make changes with that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of younger athletes, a lot of juniors in Queensland that are wanting to take up the sport that have tried it out and they're looking for um, ways to get into it and, and mm-hmm. kind of breaking through the barriers that exist because there's a lot of barriers it, it is an expensive sport to get into mm-hmm. and it's something that without the the support and the knowledge can be quite daunting mm-hmm. um, however with the right supports there it's something that could um, certainly take off again in Queensland and, and you know we are we are very very lucky in this state that certainly for athletes that are interested in road racing we have the the Gold Coast Marathon every year and it is it is the number one event in Australia for, for wheelchair races for wheelchair road races and they they do it fantastically mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. it is incredibly inclusive and they've they've been running the event the elite wheelchair race for a very very long time a lot of the paralympians come along and it, it was me doing that event initially in in 2018 that um helped us get introduced and mm. um you know but i got invited by a sports development camp by some of the paralympians that was mm. being held at the australian institute of sport i'd had my wheel my racing wheelchair for like a few weeks at that point so i was like oh my god yes but i <laughs> I felt so out of my depth that I'm so glad I did it because that, you know, totally changed my life and led Mm. to me meeting Adam. But um, I know I I didn't know what I was getting myself into. (laughs) But yeah, I think that there is opportunity in Queensland to Mm. to um, for it develop to develop. And there's definitely the support there from the senior athletes. It's just every all that information needs to be amalgamated. It all needs Mm. to be in one centralized place so that we can start moving forwards with things. So when you go to a Queensland meet, like a, a state champ, so how many mm-hmm. how many athletes, how many heats? Is it one heat? Is yeah, it? it's it's generally straight finals. Straight finals, yeah. 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 And it, I mean, it depends. For for example, I've just done nationals this year. Yeah, this year was, was straight finals with 100. There was five five mm-hmm. females. The, the men tend to have more run and often run heats mm-hmm. um, or, or semi-finals going into finals. It, it depends which, like state championships down in New South Wales and Victoria often has a much more full schedule of athletes. Mm-hmm. When you're in Queensland, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, there, there could be a couple of us, but. Um, it's it's a lot, at this point, it is a lot better supported. Parasport in general is a lot better supported in, in our southern friends yeah. Um, yeah. state. And yeah. so then the you, you spoke before, the, the chairs are rather expensive. So mm-hmm. so I, I've been playing wheelchair basketball for like 10 years, mm-hmm. 11 years. So the chairs there are worth anywhere between fifteen to $9,000. Mm-hmm. What's what's a racing cycle worth? Racing chairs, base model, f- between four and 5,000 base. Um, base, base, base. Yeah. Level, yeah. And, you know, up to an elite level chair that's, you know, full carbon fiber, disc wheels, you're looking at 16, 17,000. And is that how, how easy or how many people get knocked back on NDIS funding for that? Loads. Lots. Yeah. There's yeah. a real disparity with NDIS as far as 
what's what some one person will get funded and what another person will get funded reasonable and necessary is generally the and and that's it's it's a it's a crying shame that Mm. they don't actually see health and fitness as reasonable and necessary yes uh sports chairs are just as important as the day chairs you use because they are only ways to keep fit keep mm. active keep healthy without access to those those types of chairs we we're unable to do that and mm. that's obviously only ever going to cause long-term issues mm. long-term health concerns and not allow you to keep fit and active so it should be seen as a necessity not as something mm. that you have to fight tooth and nail for when when you look at it i mean as a wheelchair user and you know i've got no i've, I've got no i can't wait bear i've got no movement in my legs whatsoever so i'm missing activating and using all the biggest muscles in in the body so quads hamstrings glutes all that sort of stuff so that's not helping me burn body fat and burn energy so there's got to they've got to think of that and then look at ways of um, helping people through sport yeah you know, well like your legs are the biggest metabolic uh, burner so they burn mm-hmm. the most fat and uh, readily are usable to be able to burn fat so yeah definitely and also your metabolism is already adjusted the inability to stand is adjusted so your digestive tract isn't as well used there's a lot of secondary complications from having a disability yeah. and when you're not getting a, a race chair or something that you can go and just push mm-hmm. kilometers upon yeah. kilometers it's really hard to lose weight and then also mm-hmm. a lot of people struggle even in their day chair to get the heart rate at a high enough level to actually burn enough energy to be able to lose weight and, and things you know and, and, as much as it's you know people will look at your day chair and go well why, why don't you just push around in that it's just like you know that's the equivalent of jogging it's not because day chairs are not built for for that kind of mechanics to it's like uh, running to a marathon in crocs yeah you, know, you exactly. just wouldn't do you it you just wouldn't do it because yeah. you'd end up yeah. with injuries and it's exactly the same with us if we push around in our day chair for 20 kilometers a day mm. i can attest to this before <laughs> i had a racing chair that is exactly what i used to do and how i got my start but i have got continual shoulder injuries even four years later because of pushing around in this thing all day you, you're not positioned right it it means you're using the smaller muscles and often end up with tears bursitis and never-ending issues purely because you wanted to get a little bit active mm. so by providing sports chair you're basically providing you know the the under armor or the or the, you know the nike top range runners so that um so that we can comfortably play sports keep fit keep active keep healthy mm. i hate to say it adam but you'll never get me in a pair of crocs you could buy them and <laughs> give them to me and i ain't running nothing in a pair of crocs i'm not even wearing a pair of crocs no, mate, mate christmas <laughs> is coming don't you worry <laughs> it ain't happening no way i think i actually saw an instagram the other day someone did a marathon in crocs oh <laughs> i think i actually <laughs> saw, yeah. like that's yeah. just a, yeah. Yeah. see i was using that as a bad yeah. example <laughs> there was a, there was, i think it's this guy he did the 50 marathons in 50 days. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, doing yep. it for uh, men- mental health. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he's going from across, where is it? What, from Perth oh, to Sydney. Yeah, oh, I've got no idea, but it's yeah. a long way. So, I mean, absolute madman. So, wouldn't put it past him, Crocs uh, Marathon. Man, I've never, I'm, you know, 39. I've never felt my feet. And even I know that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Not even in sport mode. <laughs> oh, man, tell you. Definitely. You're talking about support for the, the sport itself. Mm-hmm. Who is supporting wheelchair racing in Queensland and and Australia for that matter or the world so individual states are doing it really really well some individual states New South Wales do it really really well WA do it quite well Victoria do it quite well Queensland we are 
definitely lagging behind. And as far as pathways are concerned, whether it be young athletes wanting to start out, um, people just getting into the sport or people who've been doing the sport, um, yeah, and it's only those people who've been doing the sport for 20 years who just know who to talk to and, and the right people to, to approach and whatnot, and, and that's the only reason they – because yeah, unfortunately in Queensland it's it's a real problem at the moment because the pathways just aren't there, as I said, unless you know who to talk to or you know that you're part of a network, um, people just don't know. So Tash and I are, are trying to put something together. We're trying to we are trying to find out ways of creating those pathways because there are so many young athletes out there, kids or you know whether they be kids or newly injured people or with spinal cord injuries or, you know, different disabilities wanting to get into sport but just have no idea who to turn to. Yeah. And it's and it's often harder as an mm. adult with a disability because mm. at least with the juniors there tends to be little athletics, that that type of thing, mm. where there there are some parasports development um, available. But mm. as as adults and and you know in the parasports community it's often adults that have gone from being able bodied to, you know, had some kind of injury or some kind of illness which has then left them with a disability so they're coming into the sport later in life but there really is very very little support unless you're coming from the pathways of a certain number of sports which are supported by organizations such as sporting wheelies um Mm. who i think support two sports at the moment yeah Yeah. i think uh rugby and And boccia Boccia. Yeah. yeah Um, and if you speak to those organizations, they'll say it's a, it's a funding situation, um, which I guess, you know, if, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But, um, you've got, you know, you know, and I, I just look at it from a, a young kid's perspective, these young kids with disabilities are crying to, for sport because unfortunately, even at a school level, from what I see, you know, the inclusion at school in school sports programs is, is, is very, very slowly getting better, but it's still nowhere near where it it's needs minimal. to be. So these kids need still need they need something. Um, so the the state bodies that are doing it well individually, mm-hmm. are they aligning with their individual state bodies, such as Sporting Wheelies, New South Wales Disability Sport, mm-hmm. Victoria Disability Sport? Are they aligning with those user groups, or are they actually aligning with the sporting bodies of the individual sport itself? So cycling australia or road cycling australia so new south wales wheelchair sports align with new south wales institute of sport and have very close ties with those so they're you know they're lining themselves up with those so they so they work they work together really well as mm-hmm. organizations they seem to the the wheelchair sports side of it and the able-bodied sports side of it seem to collaborate and do it perfectly whereas in queensland there, mm-hmm. there seems to be a disconnect and quite often the especially the wheelchair athletes mm-hmm. get left out of the mix if yeah. you just looking at new south wales as an example you would have you know new south wales wheelchair sports who would then above them would be new south wales institute of sport above them would be paralympics australia or uh, athletics australia so the yeah it's funny because that's something that cam and i mm. uh, personally involved in with the wheelchair rugby league in the mm. southeast Queensland, something that I that I've seen in, in, in the basketball sort of side as well is that the wheelchair sports generally don't align themselves with the state bodies of the sports themselves, mm. but they all affiliate with the state body for disability sports, whether mm-hmm. it be sporting wheelies, New South Wales disability sport, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, for each state. And I still can't fathom as to why that is. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Like they're, they're sh- I, I see that there's a position for those state bodies to hold and to help fund and help resource, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they are needed to run and govern and operate everything. No. 
you know, there's already sporting clubs out there that are doing rugby mm. on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. Yeah. And there's like how many clubs? 12 clubs on the Sunshine Coast? Oh, just in uh, seniors, there's like, yeah, just like A grade, there's nine or something in A grade. But even uh, exactly what you're talking about, there's so many clubs. They're already operating. So why can't we just sign yeah. up to one of them and, yeah. and yeah. play with play in a division there? Mm. Obviously not in the same division. It would be a, a wheelchair category, yeah. right? Mm. Or para sport, not para sport. Mm. Um, yeah, a wheelchair sport. Adaptive sport of that kind. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. in the rugby particular, like if you went to Sunshine Coast Falcons to play there, you know, you'd either be playing in the wheelchair, men's, women's, or their inclusive, the NRLs have their inclusive um, mm. footy. Yeah. But yeah. those different sort of categories and likewise with cycling, like why don't you go to, for example, Carol Cook, we're cycling with St Kilda. Mm. Yeah. Um, instead of going to the Victorian Institute uh, for Disability Sport and mm. trying to find a way through there. Why didn't you mm. just go to a local yeah. club, yeah. start cycling mm. with them? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it, I, I'd find it really hard for wheelchair racing in particular because there isn't clubs, there isn't mm. accessibility, it is expensive. Yeah. There is a lot of hoops and, and things to jump through, mm. which makes it really hard. But at the same time, if if we can get funding, even if it's a governmental we're going through a federal election yeah. right now. Like, yes. God, if one of them turned around and went, all right, we're going to put together $20 million and it's going to go to adaptive sport and disability oh, sport, nice? <laughs> I, I think they would have 400,000 votes uh, yeah, from yeah. Australia like that. Boom, yeah. done. Yeah. 22 million Australians and there's, uh, what is it? Oh, don't quote my numbers, but it's something like 25% of yeah. the Australian yeah. population is disabled. Yeah. There's 4 million. Yeah, yeah there you go, 4 million. Mm-hmm. That, boom, straight away there's 4 million votes probably going to – come in some form or, or another. That's yeah. definitely something that could happen. And Yeah. It's you know, it's it's funny. Bridie Bridie Keen president, you may 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 not know her. Mm. No afternoon. Yeah. So she mm. captained Australia Silver mm. London twenty twelve for the mm-hmm. wheelchair basketball. Mm. Um she's president of Sunshine Co- Sunco Spinners, the sponsor. And so she was a part of the IPC bidding for Brisbane twenty thirty two. And so she came back after the whole uh, sort of campaign and said, hey, look, we're in a really good position because the Sunco Spinners run the reverse inclusion program. Mm-hmm. So that's that gap you were talking about in school inclusive sporting opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to sort of fill. Love so it. providing yeah. schools with the wheelchairs, hey, look, here's 12 wheelchairs, do what you want. Mm. We've got coaches that can do basketball, rugby, tennis, just just use the chairs. Yeah. Don't care what you're using them for, mm-hmm. just use yep. them, put them in your sport. And she came back and said, hey, look, we're in a really good position, speaking with everyone on the board. They really want to push for a change by 2032, if not after, mm. schools to have more inclusive sporting opportunities. Mm. So on the back end of that, before we wrap up the episode, mm. Cameron mentioned that you guys, and you just touched on it before, your mm. your business, mm-hmm. What what is it that you do? Oh, am, I, am I taking that? Yeah, one? you can take that one. <laughs> okay, so who um, sells it better? <laughs> yeah, who sells it better? Elevator pitch. It's, yeah, it's the yeah. accent. What can I tell? <laughs> so we have um, a business called Invincible. We run everything from diversity and inclusion training, accessibility consulting, but we also do motivational workshops, resilience training, passion and purpose training. Everything we do is all about how p- helping people to realise their dreams, chase their goals be resilient and adapt to the shit that they've been through in life because we all have challenges you know Mm -hmm. our our courses and our programs aren't aimed at people with disability they're aimed at anybody that wants to make change in their life and just go out and smash life's goals and and live without fear and with with purpose Mm -hmm. and and know exactly what they want and and we also run um customized team building workshops and Mm. the great fun about it is we we they're just not 
standard team builders. We have an inclusion stance on everything we do. So people are learning about inclusion at the same time as having a lot of fun and mm. um, working with, with members of their own team. Mm. So, we get yeah. them in wheelchairs and we, you know, we do little obstacle courses in wheelchairs, which is all based around showing people as a wheelchair user, if, if they're a wheelchair users, and they're not sort of, we're not getting them to, you know, jump you know, massive ramps and things Just like ca- that. carry a coffee cup around the office. That, that's exactly. That's one of the things. Opening child-proof gates and, and that sort of thing, like you would find at a daycare or a pool and things like that. Things like that, that's what the obstacle course is. It's showing them what – it's it's getting them to look at what they need to do to be able to do those you, things. If you yeah. want your eyes opened, get in a wheelchair. <laughs> Even you can go now down to Kmart and Big W and that and you mm-hmm. can buy a f- – $30 wheelchair mm-hmm. and spend a day in it in your house or in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, your eyes get yeah, open real people quick. Don't, people don't realize just uh, some of the challenges we face. And I always find it interesting how, how often when we're doing one of these obstacle courses, how often people use their legs because they're trying to do something and cannot figure out how you could possibly do it without the use of your mm-hmm. legs. Yeah. And, you know, that's a choice we don't have. So you you adapt to it, but it, it's, it's always very fun running those team builders. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we enjoy it. And, and it's great to see the um, the people and the participants at the start of the course and how they how they are reacting to things by the end of the program and just, you know, how the, their eyes have been open to so many different different things. And we yeah. have a laugh too, you know. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. And, you know, fun. most of the time we we just sit there taking the piss out of each other. So it's even better. <laughs> yeah, it's what we do. Exactly. That's what we do. <laughs> James and I just take the piss out of each other all day long. <laughs> but so just for our listeners, uh, mm-hmm. while you're sitting there listening and, mm-hmm. and and going along, imagine sitting down and you've got a, a glass full of water and you're in a wheelchair. Now you've got to get across the room. You're not allowed to use your legs, but you've got to use your arms and you've got to hold on to a cup of water and not spill it on yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you get across the room? You just uh, have that question in your mind or that thought in your mind and you'll very quickly start to realize that, okay, this isn't this isn't an easy task and I won't give away answers, I'm sure, Adam. And I'll, I'll give you a tip. It. Balancing it on your head doesn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, it does if you're the person sat there with a camera filming the, the outcome of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's also fun. very, very interesting if you're on carpet as well at the same time because mm. carpet affects the, the movement of your wheels. So, mm. yes, always fun. Excellent. Well, <laughs> thank you guys for, for jumping on board. Thank you so much for coming on board and uh, uh, doing everything that you've done to keep pushing into inclusive sport and adaptive sport and wheelchair racing in, in particular. I know the guys at, at the clinic are definitely got a fair few new ideas and uh, James and I are, are going to definitely help along the pathway awesome. of what yeah. we've been pushing for. And Absolutely. We'll I most certainly we can, keep in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, can, we can work together on, on some inclusive programs. Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at sunkospinners.com.au. 